America's Got Talent is, like its British cousin, aimed at finding talented people in often unlikely places. But while the United States is indeed full of talent in every field of human endeavour, even a casual observer of the American political scene must wonder if talent in political life, and there is some, will end up with the 2024 US presidential election being a choice between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. The evil of two lessers taking on the lesser of two evils. Trump is 77 and facing court cases too numerous to mention. Joe Biden is 80. And without being ageist, we can say that Winston Churchill, who died aged 90, decided to leave active politics when he turned 80. So, with roughly a third of Americans who could vote deciding not to do so generally, how excited should we and they be about election 24? How concerned? Are they the best and brightest to lead a great country? And where is the new talent? I'm joined from New York by Molly Jong-Fast, a columnist on Vanity Fair and presenter of the excellent Fast Politics podcast. And I think it's fair to say a well-informed but also somewhat concerned American voter. Hello, Molly, again, and welcome (laughs) to The Bunker. Thanks for having me. Now, where are we? Let's start with, is age an issue in this campaign? Like, I, I, I had many comments about your introduction. I, I I would like to start. I hope that's OK. I would say, look, the idea that Democrats don't have an, a bench of really good politicians is not true. And in fact, what has happened, which is pretty interesting, is because Republicans got so over their skis with Trumpism, Democrats have put in these governors, and this is something you would not get a ton of international attention, but there are governors, Democratic governors, in some of the reddest states, like John Bell Edwards in Louisiana. And then there are governors, and again, and, you know, we have Kansas as a Democratic. I mean, the Democrats have have um, been, you know, in their g- kind of winning these governorships because Republicans have gotten so over their skis. I mean, Pennsylvania has a Democratic governor, right? A Jewish Democratic governor, which as a Jew myself is not nothing, especially in a swing state. Um, Michigan has a Democratic governor and a woman. Uh, California has a Democrat. So I'm just saying there are a lot of governors waiting in the wings. But they're not running. They're not running. That's the thing, isn't it? Right. But they're not running because we have an incumbent president. And I think one of the things that we we're not talking about enough is the power of incumbency. Like there's a reason that Republicans don't want Biden to run again. There's a reason that all of this polling is being released right now. And it's not because Republicans are concerned about Democrats choices at all. Right. It's because Republicans know the enormous power of incumbency. And I would say that Joe Biden knows the enormous power of incumbency. I don't think that Joe Biden would have run again had he not known that he was the person most likely to win. And I've heard that from the administration and I've heard that and I and I think it's really true. And I think, like, does this man want to do another term? I don't know that he like it's in his heart. I mean, one of the reasons why he was chosen as a Democratic nominee was because the calculus was he was the guy who was most likely to be able to win against Donald Trump. And that was true. 
So uh, let's stick with the Democrats for for, for a moment. I mean, yeah. are, are you basically saying this is Biden's to lose because Trump has his supporters and they're, some of them are very, very enthusiastic, but he's hardly likely to win over the middle ground of American politics if that still exists? What, you don't think that the uh, Pennsylvania soccer mom finds four indictments to be just, I mean, I don't know. Again, you get, you go on these conservative shows and they say, well, this mugshot will do it for Trump. Okay. I mean, for who? I mean, I just want a president with a mugshot. That's what I've always wanted. And a president is someone who has real experience with the criminal justice system because they're a criminal. I don't know. I mean, again, think about this. This is a rich white guy in America, a country that is built for rich white guys, and he has been indicted four times. I mean, so obviously this is pretty unbelievable stuff. Um, I don't think that he will win over middle of the road voters, which is why I think you see this group called No Labels funded by Republicans trying to get ballot access, because I think their play is that if they put a third party candidate in there who's someone like a Joe Manchin or a Larry Hogan, who is a moderate conservative, moderate Democrat, that they could take enough votes away from Joe Biden so that Trump can be president again. And as you know, we do not decide our elections with the popular vote. We decide them with the Electoral College. And the Electoral College is a very small number of voters in a very few states. It's very interesting what you say there, because we have had uh, here in the UK Conservative Party people putting out stuff with uh, in, with green ink on the top, as if they're the Green Party or somehow yeah, greener course. than they actually are. They don't mention that yeah. they're conservatives; they just mention their name and they're really good people. Apparently, you know. So, is that, is that what's going on? I? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think. Look, there are two things happening right now in American politics. One is that political reporters are very bored and mad because. 2020, we did 2020, and now we have to do it again. And all of us, I'm not a reporter, I'm on the opinion side, but all of us are really, really not excited. These two candidates have, they're really not exciting, they're boring, they're all, they're old white guys. Now that said, I think that's one phenomenon that's happening right now. And the other one is that we have Republicans who are freaking out because they know that Donald Trump is a terrible candidate and four indictments do not make him a better candidate. And that crew is looking for anything they can to discredit Biden, to try to get Biden out of the incumbency, to try, you know, what their dream is, what their dream is really is a divide in convention and then, you know, a, a Kamala Harris, you know, runs because they think that they can defeat her because really America is a very sexist, racist place. Right. Let, let me just pursue the age yeah. question, though. It's not just Joe Biden, of course, and we'll get on to Donald Trump in a minute. But, you know, the Republican Senate uh, leader, Mitch McConnell, freezing on TV. He's a man of a certain age. The Democratic senator from California, Diane Feinstein, is 90, I think. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, these are three very different people. Diane Feinstein is in a wheelchair, has been in the hospital, is, you know, makes, a, you know, sometimes it becomes clear she doesn't know where she is. Mitch McConnell is having these freezes. Joe Biden tripped over a sandbag. Like, these three things are not the same. Like, and also, Diane Feinstein is a decade older than Joe Biden. Even Mitch McConnell, 
was recently hospitalized. I mean, the idea that these three people are in the same situation, I think, is is not true. Again, I would say Di Fi needs to resign. She's been in and out of the hospital. What happened was that they don't want to ask her. She should not have run for re-election at, you know, 84 or whatever it was. I mean, that was, you know, and she was, I think that is a very different situation than an 80-year-old man who has not had any physical or mental issues for whom Republicans have been saying this for the last decade, right? I mean, they said this in 2020. They This is their thing. They said this when he was Obama's vice president. I remember in 2016 being told that Hillary Clinton had pneumonia and was about to die. So, like, obviously, this is a very effective Republican tactic. And it gets people worried and it, you know, it try. And again, what these Republicans are doing is what they successfully did in 2015, which is they're trying to sow doubt, right? The idea is what their favorite thing was when there were Democrats who said Bernie would have won. I remember Republicans saying to me, you know, Bernie would have won. Okay. I'm a Jewish liberal. I'm telling you, there was no way that the American people were going to be a Jewish guy who sounds like who grew up in Brooklyn, who sounds like my grandpa, like and is a communist. I mean, and I have a communist grandpa who grew up in Brooklyn. I mean, this is not happening. I would love a country that elected someone like Bernie Sanders. That's my dream. But it's not happening in this country. So, like, you know, when you have Republicans going, you know, Bernie would have won. No, you just hate Hillary Clinton and you want your orange guy with the implanted wig to win. And so I do think, like, a lot of what you're hearing against Biden in 2023 is stuff they have successfully used in 20, in 2015. Okay, let's go on to the orange guy then. I mean, why, why is no Republican laying a glove on him? Why is there nobody? I mean, Ron DeSantis, I know he's boring and so on. But why is there no Republican challenger who says this guy has got more indictments than, uh, you know, than he's had wives, which is interesting. Why is there nobody running against him? Okay, so here's what's happening on the Republican side. Yet again, Republicans are cowards and they do not want to alienate this Trump base and they do not think that they can run someone against Trump. So we are seeing a bunch of candidates, some good, some bad, some just, you know, people who run for president all the time. And they are if Republicans had acted like Democrats. Right. And said, like, we are going we got to get behind one person. I mean, what Democrats did in 2019 was they said, you know, this guy, Joe Biden, is the most electable. And that's what they did. And people on the progressive side said, well, you know, I don't love him, but I'm going to go with him. And people on the conservative side, you know, said, I don't love him, but I'm going to go with him. And they all got behind one guy. And so, he won. I mean, this is how primaries work in this country. So if Republicans had said, you know, Nikki Haley, I don't agree with her on this. I don't agree with her in that. But like she doesn't seem like a complete lunatic and she seems like she's operating on Earth One and they all got behind her, then perhaps maybe again, I'm not saying for sure, but they would have at least had a shot against Trump. But what happened was Trump has a much better group of people working for him this time. He has a much more organized campaign. He has also zillions and zillions of dollars, and he has a cult. 
And he has somehow convinced them that these indictments are against them and not him. One of the brilliant things Trump does, and again, I don't want to give him any credit, but is he's quite good at making things that are really about him, about America, right? I mean, here's a case in New York, which is the weak, one of the weaker cases against him, but still, you know, something that if a normal person did, they would go to jail. Uh, the, you know, is this idea that he, the money that Michael Cohen paid to Stormy Daniels was actually a campaign contribution because it's hundreds of thousands of dollars that helped his campaign. Okay, so you have Donald Trump saying like, this is not about me, my lawyer paying a porn star. This is about them coming for you, right? It's not true. I mean, there is no world in which the Trump's payoff of his mistress has something to do with the American people. It just doesn't. But he has so successfully convinced them. And so I do think uh, he's been a real, really sort of brilliant about that. Now, you mentioned Nikki Haley there. Do you see do you see any talent in the Republican side that could pick Nikki up? Haley. Pick, yeah. Uh, what about Vivek right. I mean, Ramaswamy? No. I mean, look, Vivek is a complete charlatan. And stylistically, he's very similar to Trump because Trump is also a complete charlatan. But he has no experience and he has no, you know, he says one thing and then he says another thing. And he, you know, I think Vivek and Ron DeSantis are basically the same, right? They have taken two different elements of Trumpism and tried to run with them. So DeSantis said, I'm going to be Trumpier than Trump and I'm going to run to the right of him on policy. A brilliant idea because nobody has any idea what Trump's policies are, or nor do they care, right? The idea that Trumpism is somehow about policy, it's not about, po- you know, I mean, the guy is like, I love Kim Jong-un and murderous dictators. I mean, it just, there is no policy, right? The idea that there is some policy. And uh, so, and, and you know, DeSantis was Trump without the charisma. So again, that got no fire. And then you had on the other side, Vivek, no experience, no policy, but charismatic. And so these two both have sort of two elements of Trumpism, but uh, good luck to them. But is Nikki Haley, I mean, Nikki Haley was, uh, what, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, wasn't she? Wasn't that her, her yeah. role? She, she was governor of South Carolina. I mean, look, Nikki Haley is like what a talented politician would look like in the Republican Party before Trump. So... You could see, I mean, she's not my choice, but I could, she seems competent and sane, which is not nothing in this Republican Party. Um, I don't think there's a world in which this party, not this Republican Party nominates anyone but Donald Trump. But if there were some kind of incredible sea change. But again, what you're seeing is the Republican Party is a weak party controlled by one person. And so- What's happened is their bench is not growing. They're down ticket. People are not winning. Because the thing is, the whole show is Trump. He's taking all the money. He's taking all the oxygen. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't care about helping other candidates. You know, his candidates all lost. I mean, it really is. He is just killing this Republican Party. And and honestly, really, and again, I don't feel bad for them because they did it to themselves. But the person who has the worst job on the planet right now is Rona McDaniel. You might remember her as Mitt Romney's niece. Can we just explore just one thing, which is 
I still don't quite understand why a Republican Party which can be ruthless and wants to win and is based on that premise and can make up policies as it goes along in order to win still sticks with Trump if he looks like such a loser. There's this base that Trump controls, that Trump has galvanized, and it is smaller, but it is harder. And it is not interested in anyone else that the Republican Party is offering. And so these people know they cannot win without the base. And the base only wants Trump. And because the party is so weak, they're not able to say, like, look, you guys, there's no one else. I mean, if you think about the Republican Party, you have Trump, who's really the leader. Then you have McCarthy, who is the Speaker of the House. He had 15 speaker elections, barely got the job, is hanging on by a thread. And, you know, the far right of his party wants to impeach Biden. They're not sure why. And he's a mess, right? And they're planning a government shutdown. Why? Because they're mad about the debt ceiling fight that they weren't able to ruin the full faith and credit of the United States economy. And then you have Mitch McConnell, who is arguably the Sun Suey of Republican politics. I, I don't like him. He's the, he's quite evil. He's a fucking genius. Excuse my French. I mean, the man got three Supreme Court seats for a guy who should have had one. Right. I mean, he is so evil and brilliant. And so Republicans, by the way, he's had you know, he had these two freezing things. They might be fainting. They might be a stroke. They might be whatever. Republicans don't care because they know they don't have anyone as good, right? There's not even a conversation, right? John Thane and John Cornyn are like, hello, hello. And everyone's like, sit down. You can't do Mitch McConnell as well as Mitch McConnell. Even Mitch McConnell at 80% or 60% is better than any of those other guys. So I do think Republicans are just in an impossible situation. Their only leader is a guy who's basically there to raise money for his legal defense fund, and he's hoping that he can be president so he doesn't go to jail. And on that, I mean, are we looking at this election then as one for Joe Biden to lose, that he should win, he just has to be steady as she goes and not actually rock things too much and wait to see what happens with these indictments and where they go? I mean, I think we're looking at, you know, it could be the last American election, right? I mean, if things go wrong and Donald Trump wins, when do you think he's ever leaving office? Never? I think never. So, uh, you know, like, I mean, that's the thing is people bemoaning it as boring. And again, I would like it to be boring. I would like it to really be boring and not what it's going to be, which is a year of like, is this guy going to be president again so that he can take the final hammer to American democracy. You know, one of the things that strikes me in our conversation is I read, reread recently George Washington's farewell address to the American people from 1796, mm-hmm. in which he said, the great danger of political parties, essentially, is that they can be taken over by factions and factions are really dangerous. They're dangerous for the party. They're really dangerous for American democracy. The man had a point, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, look, George Washington was sort of the best we did, and it's really been downhill since then. And you <laughs> oh, know, there have been some good ones. Come some... on, there have been a few good ones since right, then. Right, but I mean, there were a few good ones. But and again, this is one of the one of the failures of the founding fathers is they could not imagine anyone as craven as Mitch McConnell 
or Donald Trump. And I mean, what we're seeing now is that, you know, the founding fathers wanted a well-regulated militia. So that has been interpreted that every man, woman and child in America should have an AR-15. I mean, I don't know. That seems not what they were talking about. But, uh, you know, those guys were were right and they were smart and we probably should have updated it since then. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's that's the point, isn't it? I mean, the same is true in Britain, that we complain about the politicians, but the problem actually is us, because we let this happen. Yeah, but your, your worst politician is still better than our worst politician, <laughs> with the exception of <laughs> Nigel Farage. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we'll, I think we'll do a few comparisons about who's got the worst politicians over the next 18 months or so. Uh, Molly, uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can back us on Patreon so we can keep making them. There's a link in the show notes or just search for Bunker Patreon Podcast. Thank you and goodbye. Bunker USA was presented by Gavin Esler, produced by Chris Jones, with assistant production from Adam Wright. Art is by Jim Parrott, social media by Jess Harpin, and our music is from Kenny Dickinson. Managing editor is Jacob Jarvis, group editor Andrew Harrison, and audio production was from me, Robin Lieber. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. Podmasters.